Hello and welcome to this episode of Star Wars Universe Podcast. Today we're doing a recap and review of The Mandalorian Season 2 with myself, Matthew Fox, Ashley Coffin, and Paul Hoppy. All that more after a commercial break that we have no control over. Welcome back, this is Matthew. Uh, I'm super excited to be diving into pretty much the entirety of Season 2 of The Mandalorian. There's so much to talk about. And joining me, as they have for a number of the discussions about Mandalorian, are Ashley Coffin and Paul Hoppy. Uh, Ashley, starting with you, how are we doing tonight? Really good. How are you doing? Not bad. Not bad. You know, um, 2020 is just about over. That's not a terrible yeah, it's, thing. Um, it's New Year's Eve. And I'm excited <laughs> to get to talk about one of the good things of 2020, because yeah. there weren't that many. So It's so true. Paul, what about yourself? Yeah, there aren't a lot of years where, like, one of the highlights of the year for me was, like, watching a piece of media, I guess. <laughs> but this year, this year might, uh, that might be, that might be true. <laughs> that yeah. might be a thing. I feel like all I, I did that... was watch media this year. Like, I got to the right. end of Netflix and found my way back. <laughs> well, it's yeah. like you can either watch a, a show you enjoy or you can watch the news. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the news hasn't been good. I mean, like, no matter who you are, right? I mean, not that there hasn't been any good news, but just overall, regardless of what your takes are on the world, like, you can't be that thrilled with, like, what happened this year. Mm-mm. And what I find hilarious about all of this is The Mandalorian is probably the most dystopian, depressing of any Star Wars media that I've seen. Mm. Um, in terms of just the overall feeling of it, you know, it's not mm-hmm. the hope in the midst of absolute darkness that okay. so much of the Jedi movies are. It's right. not, um, you know, it's all set in this world where like good has sort of won, but nothing good has come of it. And yeah. the Empire is coming back and everyone's going to betray you. And it still feels like such a happier, more hopeful world than anything <laughs> we're living in at the moment. It so does. Like, like people are getting shot left and right, but it's like it's okay. It's yeah, it's okay. just stormtroopers. Okay. Who cares? It's just stormtroopers. You know, I would go. I would. I would deal with some dangerous, unsafe doors in order to go back to an office or restaurant. Like <laughs> I know, I really miss restaurants. Hmm. Yeah, seriously. the unsafe doors are a metaphor for the danger. <laughs> When we walk through... Okay, never mind. Yeah, no, we're, we're not <laughs> like, going like, where are... Right. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> I want to say one quick note just to our listeners, um, and then we'll dive right into this. Um, folks, if you follow my podcast, you know that I do Star Wars Universe podcast. I also do superhero ethics. I also appear on Pandavision quite often, including recently with Ashley Coffin. We're talking about The Stand. And starting in 2021, I'm combining all of those different um, social media presences into one, The Ethical Panda. All, all of them will still be their own individual podcast, but we now have a website where you can go and find all those different things, as well as instead of having to check both social media, it, instead of having to check social media like Twitter and Facebook for all these different things, I'll be posting everything about all my different podcasts on The Ethical Panda on Twitter, on Facebook. We may also be creating one podcast feed if you want to listen to all of it and just, you know, get it all in one go. I'm still still working out if that's going to make sense. But but certainly, if you're just interested in Star Wars, if you're not as interested in some of the others or anything like that, nothing will change for you. We're just saying that this is a chance to, if you want to have access to all of them at the same time in terms of the social media and stuff, go to The Ethical Panda on Facebook or Twitter or TheEthicalPanda.com. So with that, let's dive into Season 2. What are some of your overall thoughts on this season? I'm so happy we finally got to see lightsabers. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I just felt like like the show. I loved it all so much, but I was missing that 
little bit of lightsaber. Um, for for me, the the season started off a little shaky. Like mm-hmm. all of my least favorite moments are basically in the first three episodes, mm-hmm, and yeah. then all of my favorite moments are in the last. I'd say the last five, but like mm-hmm. especially the last four. You know, mm-hmm. um, I mean, ah- Ahsoka showing up and it's it's like it's refreshing to have a star wars show that um that doesn't focus on lightsabers all the time mm-hmm. right even if like the dark saber is going to become the biggest plot point in season three perhaps <laughs> but like I, it's 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 what i love about star wars the most probably like i remember realizing like like who like how how do you come up with this idea of like making these laser swords? It's like it's yeah. so weird. Like really, it's so weird. Like why doesn't it just keep going? Like it comes back around, or like it doesn't make any sense, right? I mean, I know like in the books, there's like some explanation and stuff, but like you know, they're just cool looking. Yeah, <laughs> so true. And they looked as cool in uh, in this series in episodes like five and eight mm-hmm. as they they've ever looked, right? And yeah. and it's. It's not the only reason I watch Star Wars stuff, but, like, it's a big reason. Yeah. And it was really nice to see them again. I concur. You said that I, a lot better than me. <laughs> I, I think that's such a great way of putting it to both of you, because I feel like this show was always about trying to strike a balance. Um, mm-hmm. On the one hand, trying to give us something fundamentally different than Star Wars had always given us. You know, that it wasn't going to be a Skywalker saga story. It wasn't right. going to be about the epic space battle that decides all of galactic history. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in the first season especially, they really did a great job of setting this up, that this is a story told in that world, but that's pretty separate from this. You know, it's the stories going on under the radar screen. Right. Mm-hmm. But I feel like they also knew that it still had to feel like it was part of that larger world. Mm-hmm. And that just using Star Wars names or maybe Stormtrooper outfits wasn't going to quite be enough. And I feel like this season they gave us just a couple of those things. You know, we got to see X-Wings blowing things up a couple right. of times. Mm-hmm. We got to see the lightsabers. We got to have little bits thrown in to the larger Star Wars canon that, that a lot of us love. Um, and I think that to me is one of the things that makes me just so happy about it. Is that it found that balance. Especially because, and I think we talked about this a lot as we are going through the season. One of the fears was always that like... Could you have just a few minutes of Ahsoka? Could you have a few minutes of Luke? And then really go back to the show about the Mandalorian and Grogu Mm -hmm. without it just becoming now, okay, now this is just going to be the Luke and Ahsoka and Grogu story, and we're going to lose all that stuff that we loved about it not being that. Um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to me, I I know many people love that show. I feel like it's kind of an example where it it started really small, but then it just kept getting bigger and bigger and, and, and sucked into the larger things. And... I feel like the way that it did this of like, here's Ahsoka, she's relevant to the story in this moment, but now she's going to go away and have her own show. Yeah. And here's here's Luke coming in in a way that makes total sense. I think we talked about how if it wasn't Luke, it would kind of be like, well, why isn't Luke here? Right. And he did it in a way that kind of puts a period on Grogu's story, but it doesn't feel like that's now going to take over the show. And I just thought Mm -hmm. that was so brilliantly done. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. I mean, like... You know, people say, like, oh, this is, like, Legends Luke, like, from from the books that are now, like, Legends canon or whatever, right? But, like, mm-hmm. like in the end, like, he comes in like a legend and then goes out like a legend. And now you can have 
the story go on in you know, I mean, we discussed like whether or not you could continue the Mandalorian without Grogu and like you know, I would at the I think in the intro to, you know, the season 1 wrap or the like sort of pre-game for season 2, I was like, I don't think so. Like yeah. why would I watch that show? But now I'm like <laughs> Yeah, I'll watch season three, <laughs> even if there's no Grogu. You know, I don't expect to see Luke in any significant role in season three. Um, I don't expect to see Ahsoka in any significant role in season three. I imagine she'll be doing her Ahsoka stuff, right? And I'm I'm really happy that a lot of these characters are going to kind of get their own spinoffs. And <laughs> yeah. if, that's, if that's the character you want to follow, then you can... Just follow that character, or you can watch everything. But here it feels like, yeah, they were able to work those characters through the plot and not... In ways that leave the plot changed, right? But but not... Um, like, I, I didn't feel Ahsoka's absence in episode 6 or 7. And I don't yeah. feel like in, you know, chapter 17, I guess, right? Because they're going by chapters or whatever. Um, season season three, episode one. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't feel like I'll feel Luke's absence. Like, where's Luke? Where's Luke? It's like, no, we got that. That made perfect sense for that episode. And now we're gonna go and do whatever season three is gonna be. You know, maybe mm-hmm. it's trying to retake Mandalore or something. Right. It's just really like they could go so many other places, and I think because mm-hmm. they gave us, you know what happened to Luke Skywalker, I didn't need him to continue. Like, I don't need him to be in my next season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's right because it's, it's both like just a little bit of Luke fills in so many of those gaps. You know, I think we all, me especially, but we were all talking about why isn't Luke paying attention to this new child showing up with, with force powers. And so to right. see that was so needed. And I think that, but, and I think I'm fine with that. I think, if Mandalorian continued to be the only Star Wars property that was being released, I might be a little bummed that we're not getting more of Ahsoka or that we're mm. not getting, you know, this particular thing. And I think oh, yeah. in some ways Especially it also Ahsoka. is so good that they're now getting to kind of an MCU type place of there's so much content that's going to be coming out. And like, I mean, hopefully it's all good. Maybe it's not. We'll <laughs> see. Knock on wood. <laughs> Knock on plywood, whatever the hell my desk is made. Um, but... But I feel like, okay, I don't need Ahsoka in The Mandalorian because she's off doing her own thing on this other show. And, you know, I don't need to keep getting um, X-Wing, po- X-Wing pilot Appa back again and again because hopefully he's going to be in the uh, uh, Raiders of the – not Raiders. Raiders, Raiders of the <laughs> Lost Republic. Raiders of the New Republic. <laughs> the Rangers of the New Republic show. Uh, if not, we riot. But, you know, right, like, right, right. Yeah, yeah. No, we need that. We need that. I, I now feel like they've they've managed to now have – before it was like, okay, hey, here's Mandalorian in that universe that you know about. And now it's going to be here's Mandalorian and the rest of that universe and all these other shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I need my like Defender style meetup where they're all going to get together and then do a season or whatever the plan is there. Because I love yeah. that more than anything. I love team ups. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, crossovers. Yes. Um, I remember yeah, like Buffy Angel sure. crossovers used to just make my year. <laughs> Yeah, I, I haven't followed much of the Arrowverse. I used to love it. I used to watch it all the time. It got a little too big and life got a little too busy, but I still will every year watch the the Arrowverse crossover shows that they do, which That's I really cool. enjoy. Um, and yeah, and there's so many ways they could go with that. You know, it could be everyone's on one team. 
it could be kind of a civil war type thing where sure. a couple people are lining up with Mando and a couple of them are lining up with Bo-Katan and, you know, we have that conflict. Like, mm-hmm. there's just so many directions it could go. And where will Ahsoka, like, fall into all that? I'm excited. Right. Right. Because yeah, after I that think... episode, we kind of went into depth on the podcast. Like, I didn't want to not see her anymore. But luckily, the next episode was so good that it, not that I forgot, but I was, mm-hmm. I was okay with it. Yeah. Right. It's like, okay, here's a little bit of Ahsoka. Uh, we're not going to give you her as a full character, but here's Boba Fett and, and Fennec and, like, just some, just, you know, high-octane action for 27 minutes. Oh, thank you, and, Rodriguez. And, and then they announced the all the shows. Right? Did they announce them between 6 and 7 or 7 and 8? Maybe I think it was seven between and eight. 6 and 7. So it was, like, okay. after we'd had one episode without Ahsoka, and then they dropped, oh, by the way, you get a whole new Ahsoka show. Right, exactly. So I think that was very... It, it was either very intelligent or serendipitous timing, because yeah. uh, it, it made her not... Like, I don't think she was the character who was supposed to show up in 8, right? In, in, in episode 8 of the season, but... There might have been more of a feeling of, like, why isn't she here? Like, even just throughout the episode, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so by announcing that they're doing all these spinoff shows, and then they deliberately didn't announce, you know, the Book of Boba, um, I think because they wanted that to be a surprise at the end of, of yeah. you know, episode eight. Mm-hmm. And... The, but, like, letting you know, it was kind of this, like, show of good faith. It's like, hey, hey, look... Look, we've we know you you know you've only gotten some of some of these characters, but don't worry, there's more coming. You know, <laughs> yeah. and, and I admit I am I am going to be a bit suspicious, like hesitant to jump in too far about Star Wars marketing, because as we discussed in an episode a couple months ago, you know the last time Star Wars marketing did a brilliant brilliant campaign, it was about telling me about the Black Jedi I was going to get to see in some new movies. So. Little bit of bitterness there still. Uh, um, wow, but, wait, when was that? Yeah, the <laughs> the, pre, the post goals. No, uh, I know, but when was the what was the marketing for that? That was what what you thought heading yeah, into. John Boyega has talked a lot. The actor who played Finn. For anyone who's yeah, know, yeah. I'm, I'm referencing to how um, if you go back and watch the trailers, and especially like the uh, one of those prominent uh, posters that was up all over the place. Mm-hmm was of John Boyega holding a lightsaber. Holding the lightsaber, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was a couple of lines about, like, you know, new peop- new Force users will emerge or whatever right, the right. language they used. And so they I never mean, explicitly said it, but I think they certainly <laughs> teased it in a way. They let him I, hold I, one for five minutes in the first one. So, yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't want to go on a long thing down that road. Yeah, but, like, <laughs> I actually think the marketing with regard to the first one and having it not be spoilers, I, like, personally, I approve of that. And he did wield the lightsaber, and the character is definitely Force-sensitive. Huge disappointment that they didn't actually get into that. And they're just sort of like, oh, I've got to tell you something, Ray. Ray, I've got to tell you something. Oh, the movie's over. Fuck. Like, Like I think in terms of just the publicity for the first movie, it's fine. It's then that they drop that plot line. But anyway, that's... that's Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, 100%. 100%. Um, I'll also say in this regard... And I think this is actually, like, there's a lot of talk about how the Star Wars fandom is one of the most toxic out there. And there's a part of me that wants to fight it. And then there's a part of me that looks at what happened to, like, the actor who played Jar Jar and the actor who played um, young Anakin. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, we're, we're pretty awful sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of fandoms are. I think some of that's mis... And I think there's a lot of great parts of the Star Wars fandom. But I think one of the things that I think I'm so happy that Mandalorian did is 
to break down the wall between the movies and the animated shows, Clone Wars and Rebels specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think there has a long time been those shows were kind of the ugly redheaded stepchildren. And I say that as a redheaded stepchild um, <laughs> of the Star Wars universe in terms of, you know, the hard, hardcore fans had seen them. And but a lot of fans were like, eh, it's animated. I'm not so into it. They almost never got referenced um, in, mm-hmm. in other stuff. And there was also a perception of like that, that diving too far into them can lead to the kind of super toxic like, well, but but, you know, you don't really understand Star Wars because you didn't see this one episode or you didn't read this one book or, or that kind of stuff. I felt like and an, um, Ashley having you on the cast, I think, was so good to help confirm this. Like when you talked about um, Ahsoka not having seen those shows. This season did such an amazing job of honoring the stories that come out of Clone Wars and Rebels without making people feel alienated if they hadn't seen them, but instead just making people more excited to see them. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I actually, and I'm not really into the the cartoon stuff. When I was watching it, Ken was like, nope. I was like, but you're going to learn so much. He's like, nope, they shouldn't have made it an animated show. I was like, touche. But then I got into it, and if I didn't, I wouldn't have known even just a couple episodes, you get a real feel of who the character is. And with the, that being an animated show, I mean, that's pretty amazing. Right. Um, yeah, I'm personally, like, I'm a big fan of animation in general. Like, if I could watch everything animated, I'm, I would probably prefer it. My favorite DC content is animated. Um, Avatar The Last Airbender, the mm-hmm. animated series, is <laughs> one of my... Maybe yeah, exactly. <laughs> is maybe my my favorite thing, like of all time in terms of fiction. Maybe not, but it's up there. Mm-hmm. And like the animated series for for Star Wars, I like as much as the movies. Um, I I think there's like a little bit of a sort of like anti animation bias in, mm-hmm. um, especially like in the United States, where I think because there's this association with like Saturday morning cartoons. And the idea that, like, animation is supposed to be more for children and, like, you know, meat puppets, like, pretending to be other people is supposed to be, like, for adults. (laughs) You know, it's like, I mean, if we look at, like, all drama, like, it's all ridiculous, right? I mean, it's like, it's all people playing pretend. But, like, in animation, there's just things you can do that you can't do as well. Like, you can just have any character show up at whatever age, whenever you want, um, without having to do like use like de aging technology or you know right. oh this actor died okay you get someone to imitate their voice like yeah. <laughs> um, but I what I but you know at the same time I I don't say this to like try to shame anyone for not liking animation mm-hmm. right um, m- my point is mostly just <laughs> that like <laughs> um, uh-huh. no really no keep really. going <laughs> um, like that i I do think that there's this sort of like hesitance right mm-hmm. um with it, and you know that's that's not to say that like oh, that's the true Star Wars or whatever it's like, yeah, I like that better than the prequels for sure, you know, I like it better than the sequels mm-hmm. and kind of unequal with the you know the original series um and then Mandalorian, I like as much as all of that that's kind of like the Star Wars that I like right yeah. um and i the i just i just the the main point I want to make is that like I appreciate. That there are people who like different parts of um, different parts of the Star Wars canon or non-canon, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I think one of the the dangers is that there's people who are just like, oh, you know, this is the 
true, you know, this is the way. Uh, at some point, I want to get into uh, how toxic that statement is, actually. Yes. This is the way. <laughs> but, uh, that. <laughs> um, but, like, I don't know. What's my point? My point is basically, <laughs> like, I think I- I'm agreeing that this show, I think, does a great job of um, kind of, I feel like it makes people want to delve more deeply into the universe. But at mm-hmm. the same time, you don't have to know everything that's gone on. Like, I haven't read a single Star Wars book, right? Mm-hmm. I've heard about a number of them, but you don't have to read the books to enjoy Mandalorian. You don't have to watch the animated series to enjoy Mandalorian. You don't have to even see really enjoy the Star Wars movies to, to yeah. enjoy yeah. Mandalorian. Like, Lee is like, yeah, I don't really like Star Wars that much. Like, she just doesn't. But yeah. she enjoys Mandalorian. That's good. Same it's thing. its own thing, right? It's yeah. just different. Yeah. It's like it gives you something that none of the others give you while also tying in with everything, kind of connecting things to one another. And um, it just feels like it's made with a lot of love for the um, for the world, for the, the, the universe, for the Star Wars universe or galaxy, as I, I would say. <laughs> um, but at the same time, with a lot of understanding... That there are a lot of types of Star Wars fans, right, yeah. who get different things out of it. And I think it tries to provide a lot of different things for different people. And I think it amazingly somehow does a really good job of it. I, I think that's a really good way to put it. I mean, if you had told me five years ago that there'd be a TV show where one of the things that people would be the most excited about was Ahsoka Tano showing up in live action, I would have laughed right. you out of the room. Because <laughs> I feel like... You know, she was known in the Clone Wars. Most people didn't know her. But you're right. And we've, we've talked about this. The fact that so many people who love the TV show were so thrilled to see her on live action. And that so many people who had never seen any of that still loved this character. I thought yeah. it was so good. Um, and I will say, I, I'm actually, I'm kind of like Ken in some ways. And, and Paul has helped, helped somewhat me talk me out of this. I was very hesitant to watch any of these things because I don't like animation in general. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, I, I've somewhat had my mind changed. That shows now like Batman the Animated Series, Avatar, um, Shira, I think are some of the most brilliant mm, things I've yeah. seen, and they're animated. Mm-hmm. And I, I will say that, I think, Paul, I think you're right, that the assumption that animation means it's a kid's show is not one that people should hold on to. Certainly, um, Matt Carroll and I did a review of the animated, kind of anime style of um, Altered Carbon, that is mm-hmm. not a kid's show by any means. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but on the flip side, like, I, I do think it's important to acknowledge the Clone Wars was very much made to be a kid's show. And I think it's one of the, the problems with the show. I think it's a very good show. Mm-hmm. And I think in later seasons, it stops being as much for little kids. But I'd say compared to something like Batman the Animated Series or um, Avatar The Last Airbender, I do think it has a little more of the okay, well, this is content that adults might find a little bit, you know, eye-rolly, but we're going to get to the good parts in later seasons. Yeah, well, with, yeah, I um, think you're right. Go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to say, like, I think it's important that we acknowledge that Star Wars movies were basically designed to be kids' movies also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, which doesn't mean that they don't also have something for adults, but it's like, that's maybe one of the reasons I like the original series so much more than I like the prequels, because... I saw the original series as a child and had that experience and then rewatched it and got different stuff out, out of it as I, you know, grew older. But the prequel series I saw as an adult and I was yeah. sort of like, oh, what's all this like pod racing and, mm-hmm. you know, some of the really 
kind of kiddie stuff that felt like not I don't know, that I hadn't grown up with, so I didn't have the same kind of emotional bond. I don't know. Well, the, we were just watching um, Rise of Skywalker with the riff tracks the other day, and, and every time that little guy, the ha-ha, whatever the heck, Oh, yeah, yeah. And Ken's like, this is ridiculous. I'm like, no, it's for, they got to throw something in here for the kids, mm. merchandising. And right, you can look right. at, like, Lord of the Rings. There's lots of mm-hmm. parts in there that are made just for the kids to be like, oh, we're having a good time. All of a sudden, now back to the darkness, darkness, darkness. Um, right. And then when I was trying to watch the animated shows, I I remember liked Clone Wars, and then I tried to start Rebels, and I hated it. I couldn't. Mm, I just yeah. went to the um, Ahsoka Vader episode, and that was oh, it. Other than that, so I was good, like, so. I can't watch this. Yeah, that's legit. And like, I think overall, Rebels is, has has more of the not quite so childish stuff. But yeah, the first yeah. cup, the first half season, first I think, se- is pretty yeah. rough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first half season took me three years to get through. It's too many basically. characters. <laughs> and then the third season took me like, or the last two se- three days. I was going to yeah. say three days. I was going to say three hours, but I was like, that's impossible. That's not true. <laughs> like 25 episodes. <laughs> I watched it on it's double impossible. speed. Exactly. Yeah, I was, I was quoting that, but I did it in a Yoda sentence structure. There you go. Uh, it was more of a paragraph structure, but you know, whatever. Did you guys used to watch the X Men animated show? I've watched it as an adult. Yeah, I I've loved that. As a kid. The one with like that theme music. Ba, ba, ba. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mostly, I just know it as the one that has the yellow spandex that they make a joke of in the first um, Patrick Stewart Ian McKellen movie. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, but yeah. things like Archer, like everybody loves Archer, Rick and Morty, and mm-hmm. I'm like, mm. mm-hmm. I-, I think the jokes are funny. If I watch it with my eyes closed, I laugh. But there's just, I think it was my awful childhood. <laughs> what were you was your point about the x-men series that it wasn't that, that i actually loved to... that one i love oh, okay. like as a kid yeah. i watched that and i can watch that one now as an adult i'm just i'm just very picky yeah well i think part Fair. of this is and this is gonna allow me to make a, a bit of a rough transition but a transition to something i wanted to talk about <laughs> i think that there is a real skill in being able to tell a story that both really resonates for kids but also has enough meaning for adults Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I think Batman the Animated Series is a fantastic example of being able to do that. So is Avatar The Last Airbender. I do think the original movies do it better than the prequels, for example. Um, and I, I know a lot of people who people who are involved in the production have said that Lucas really wanted to kind of skew skew younger even than he had for the original movies. Right. But Paul, you're right. My sense of nostalgia about it probably has a lot to do with that as well. Mm-hmm. But I, all this to say that I think one of the people who, to me, when I think of like the pinnacle of doing that, honestly, it's The Muppet Show. Um, and mm. I promise I'm going somewhere legitimate with this. <laughs> but just I, I see it. <laughs> I, you know, I love the Muppets as a kid. And then later I would watch it as an adult and be like, oh, oh I never got that. Wow, that's that's really pointed critique. That's kind of brilliant. <laughs> um, the point of all that being that I have been thinking about the Muppets and Jim Henson quite a lot in terms of this show. And that's something I wanted to at least touch on for a few minutes because um, – and forgive me for going on a, a tangent, but I promise this is relevant – Jim Henson is kind of one of my heroes. I mean, like I said, I love The Muppet Show. I love what they've mm-hmm. done with things. I think their version of Christmas Carol is probably my favorite. The um, Jim Christmas Henson movie. Hour was my favorite. Right? With Shelley Duvall and, oh, and that white lion. Oh, I loved it. And he always wanted, he really believed that puppets could be kind of on the same level, like what you're talking about, Paul, with animation. He mm-hmm. had a similar thought with puppets, that you could have puppets that would be just as emotive and evocative for audiences as meat meat puppets as we call yeah. it uh, felt puppets versus meat puppets um 
And he made a couple of movies that he really attempted to do that. Labyrinth, which is a kind of a cult classic, absolutely beloved mm. by the people who love it, of mm-hmm. which I'm very much one. Mm-hmm. Um, Dark Crystal. Uh, yeah, Dark Crystal. Dark Crystal even more so. That was really supposed to be his puppet magnum opus. And again, it's a cult classic to those who love it. It fell flat for a lot of people. The new TV show I've heard is very good. But I know that he always really wanted to see puppets that could get to that kind of place. Right. And he obviously has passed away, but both Jim Henson and uh, his partner, Frank Oz, have always been deeply connected to Star Wars. Frank Oz was the voice and the puppeteer of Yoda mm-hmm. in the original movies. And like Jim Henson Studios has always been a partner with Lucas. And I remember so clearly, Ash- Ashley, you made a comment about how the puppeteers of Grogu should get like an Emmy Emmy nomination for best actor, <laughs> um, you know, because it, they just made this puppet be so emotive. So like the puppet made me tear up. Yeah. I just, you know, I, I know Jim Henson's no longer with us, but I, I just feel like this was, and I think some other things have done it as well, but this was the kind of thing he was talking about. You know, if he could have seen what Grogu was able to do, like I just kept thinking about all the stuff he would say that I've read about how, puppets could one day be actors like anyone else and i think mm-hmm. what this show did with mandalorian is really kind of groundbreaking in that regard yeah with grogu i mean yeah it's i mean it's total vindication of yeah. that view right i mean grogu's amazing grogu's one of my favorite characters of all time so is yoda <laughs> you know yeah and and they're you know they're played by puppets but they're they're no less real a character than you know a character portrayed by a a meat puppet, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> I, I There was some Twitter thing that I saw that basically said, who would have thought that the most tear-jerking moment, the most powerful moment of this entire TV series would be between a puppet and a metal box on wheels? Oh. Right. <laughs> you know? and I was like, yeah, that scene with R2 was so yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was, I was going to say, I, I figured at some point you'd get into like what, what our favorite moments were from this season. but Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, two two of them uh, were, you know, one, the whole Grogu, like, reaching out to Din, like, basically asking him to, like, take off the helmet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, clinging to his leg, you know, at the end. Yeah. Um, but just, there's this, there's this sadness that, you know, I'm trying to remember the last time I've seen an actor really convey that sort of deep lasting sadness that I feel like Grogu carries through both seasons really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I feel especially in this season, especially at the end. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I guess I've seen actors do it as well, but like not better. I mean, it's, it feels like you, like, how could you do it better than yeah. that? You know, it's just so evocative. Um, and so, so like bittersweet. Um, it's it's just amazing. They had was... brought up in the gallery. Um, they were talking about the episode where Ahsoka's there and um, Grogu's sitting between them at the fire, and the Mandalor- um, Mandalorian says something like, "You know, well, you can take him, right?" And she just keeps talking, and so subtly, you just see little Grogu like turn his head and just look at him, like, "Really?" And then he just mm, puts yeah. it back and puts it down. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't like a whip around or anything. And if you right. weren't looking for it, you didn't even see it. But stuff like that is what yeah. makes him real. Yeah. Yeah, it's so subtle. And it's funny. I was thinking of a moment from that same episode, but a different one. When Ahsoka is able to kind of like, you know, mind meld with him and connect with him, 
uh, however you want to put it, and then talks to Dan about, like, here's what he's been feeling. Like, he has all this fear. He has all this sadness. On the one hand, I was glad that we could sort of get that because it's all been kind of just guessing from his, you know, because he's nonverbal. But also none of it surprised me because I felt like, yeah, we've seen that. We've seen that sadness. We've seen that fear. We've seen that sort of playing with his own powers, but in a very nervous kind of a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just just so powerful for that. Um, what were some of people's other favorite moments? I really enjoyed the Mandalorian girl gang. Oh, I loved yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> I liked Bo-Katan a lot. She might not be the best leader for the Mandalore, as I'm starting to see, but <laughs> I really enjoy Katie Sackhoff, and I really enjoy the character. Yeah. She's another one who, as just a uh, fan of Rebels and um, Clone Wars, I'm so thrilled to see her come to life on screen. I thought having the person who's also the voice actor be the live-action actor is such a great choice. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, just that, that moment especially when it was a number of women, without it feeling like a setup, without it feeling like a pander, it was just, oh, hey, most of the people in this crew who can really kick ass are women, and here they're going to kick ass in fantastic ways mm-hmm. that each utilize the specific things they can do including jetpack parkour yes. like yeah. that whole scene was just so good mm-hmm. every time they were uh, like working together in those what i guess they were in two episodes mm-hmm. yeah episode three also okay yeah it was... that's where they introduced them and there was like there's like a dude there too but then they're like ah we don't we don't need him for that we don't need him <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um yeah, I've I have a list of things um which that's that's on it. Uh the the first one was just every minute of the last episode. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, it just felt perfect to me. I I don't know. I think I've watched it like 5 times already. Nice. It's one of the nice things about the episodes being so short, which is a whole n- another thing I want to get to at some point, but um like the episodes are short enough that you can watch them more mm-hmm. if you want. Yeah. You know, if you like really love an episode. Um, but yeah, I mean, just like Luke's arrival, like the return of the Jedi, basically in the last episode, uh, the badass fire team led by Bo-Katan, who I think I saw in the, I think she actually pronounces it Bo-Katan. So I'm oh, I'm going to go with Moff. Okay. Yeah. I, th- I thought I, I've said Bo-Katan all the time, uh, yeah. which I, I thought was like what everybody said in the, in the TV series in like, um, Clone Wars and Rebels, but I'm not sure, but mm-hmm. I listened to them mostly in Spanish anyway. So what do I know in terms <laughs> I of how anyone remember what I said. Thing. Did I, is it Catan or, I don't know. It all yeah, sounds right to a, me. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm sure this fictional character won't get upset if we, uh, <laughs> you know, it's good to the name. Right. And at least she doesn't have the dark saber to like cut her heads off. Or yeah. something. Although I'm sure she'd she be could fine. probably be um, my ass doll. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, a, uh, you know, a super badass warrior. Um, and like, and again, like to reiterate from the last episode, like her leading that, leading the strike, you know, it just yeah. made so much sense. And um, to be able to set that up, to have that, you know, fire team led by her and to have it all be women and to have it not to have it feel earned right like you mm-hmm. said last time matthew like that they did the work to to have yeah. a scene like that work on a level without feeling at all like it like it's pandering and like i'm fine with a little pandering right mm-hmm. but if you can do if you can achieve the same thing without it feeling like pandering all exactly the like i think that scene in in endgame was was a needed thing in some ways mm-hmm. in part because how MCU has not done more to you mm-hmm. know, with women representation and things like that. But yeah. You're right. This is just Ashley. You're you're 
sound comment is, I think, a perfect oh. statement. <laughs> yeah, like, that's how Lee feels, too. She's just like, I don't need that. But it's mm-hmm. like, I, I get it, and, like, I enjoyed it in the movie. I agree that in Endgame, uh, that, I'm sorry, in Infinity War, the sort of smaller scale version of that feels more natural. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this, it's just like, this is, this is... There should be a lot of scenes like this because there just are a bunch of good female characters, right? Yeah, right. Like, because that should be, like, about half your characters in everything. Yeah. So... It also highlighted something that I think is one of the most interesting parts of Jin's character, uh, Din's character, even though we yeah. haven't talked about it much, which is that he is someone who is obviously incredibly competent, incredibly skilled in a number of things. Mm-hmm. But is also very good at recognizing where he's in the presence of someone who has better skills yeah. and happily just letting them do it. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I remember he did that with um, with Cara Dune in season one. There's a scene where he just, like, recognizes, like, she's the better shot for this long range yeah. thing. So he gives, her, gives it to her. And here, like, yeah, he's like, I, I'm not going to try. I, I'm a one-person bounty hunter. I'm not going to try and plan, like, a squad assault. Bogotan right. should do that, you know? Cara yeah. Dune should do this. Grief yeah. should, like, all these other people who are around him. He's mm-hmm. very good at deferring to them when they should be the leader. And I, right. with yeah. that, I love if you watch like how they shoot the the scenes when they're all like when the three Mandalorian um, ladies are heading forward. They look like a well oiled machine where he's just kind of like bumbling a little bit behind them because he doesn't look like he's part of that gang. Yeah. He's just with them. Oh, where yeah. They're working like like you know a machine. Yeah. In well, in episode three, right? You're yeah. About, or yeah. yeah. Is that mm-hmm. yeah? That's the one where they're on the ship. Yeah. yeah. Related to that uh, also, and this kind of goes to, Paul, the thing you wanted to talk about, this is the way, and I'll just talk about this oh. one of my favorite moments, then let's have that longer conversation. In season one, we get we get introduced to the Mandalorian, and he just we're basically taught, like, he has this, like, super badass Mando warrior culture. You know, his weapons are his religion, and he never takes off his helmet, and all these other people, like, in the, in the dark tunnels saying, this is the way, and we'll show up to support you, and, like, all these cool things. And it's the kind of thing that is very, like, in the moment, like, yeah, yeah, this is the way. That's a great line. And you think about it, you're like, well, that's, well, people calling guns part of their religion. This is not, no, no, all these right, problems. Right. With it. This should not be the way. <laughs> yeah, like, Everyone's just entitled saying, to their tagline. This is the way. As like the, but, but I think, the, Paul, tell me if I'm wrong, I think the point you're making, though, is that, like, having a life philosophy of this is the way, we don't question it, we just do it, is horrible oh uh, yeah 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 yeah. it's like yay dogma you know it's like wait yeah. but what i love is that this season like i've talked often especially on superhero ethics about how i my biggest problem is when a character does something dumb and the writer doesn't seem to know it right and i felt like right. this season it was very clear that the writers knew all along they wanted to show you how badass it is because he wanted to understand why din bought into it so so heavily Mm-hmm. But you also want to understand that there's problems with it as well, and yeah. that this scene's all about explore. This season is all about exploring that. It's about exploring the idea of there's actually many different approaches to being a Mandalorian, and some of them are good, and some I mean, all none of them are like good or bad. All of them are just different and have problems yeah. and have ideas, and 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 maybe there are some times where you take off your helmet even though you're told not to, or you do these different things. And I just thought the whole season did such a good job of complicating the idea of Mandalorians and making it this much richer world with all sorts of different perspectives on different different creeds and ideas. Mm-hmm. It gets a little muddy for me with the whole Darksaber thing with um, Bo-Katan when she's, you know, you're going to throw away all these other rules, but you're not going to just take it. 
Just take See, the damn saber. Right. See, I feel like though that there's actually a, a great thing I saw on TikTok about that. I, I would like if I could find it again. <laughs> but it, it made this brilliant point that that that's actually sort of the point is to show like here are these two people, both of whom think the other one is like not really following the way. Right. Because but they each have a dogma that they hold on to very tightly, even though they don't care about the other part. You know, mm-hmm. Bo thinks he's ridiculous to keep the mask on at all times, yeah. but also thinks that, you know, you have to win the saber in battle. Um, yeah. And there's a whole backstory there well, that the first time she got it, she didn't win it. And maybe that's why she does right. it. But I just love the idea that both of them kind of what they share is that they're both deeply connected to these creeds that they have to do this thing always, even though. The audience is able to look at both of them and go, dude, take off your damn helmet. Keep the saber. Like, this doesn't make any sense. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody yeah. else is going to know. <laughs> right. Well, so, yeah. I mean, so here's the thing. Um, I, so, first of all, I think that the first season introduces, like, this is what Mandalorians are, right? In right. this very – because that's all Din knows. Right? Yeah, right, and he's been given this this dogma, this this way to hang on to, and it's something that he maybe needed at the time, right? As a child who'd lost, it seems like his you know his world got like genocided or something, right? Um, and and so he gets rescued by some Mandalorians, so they're like, this is the way. He's like, okay, this is the way, and so he has this to hang on to, and if you know, for those of us who've seen, um the you know the the animated series were like uh, wait but that's not how all the mandalorians are there and so it's a little confusing but then in this season it, it all makes sense right it, that in in season 1 we had this very kind of narrow world view um and this narrow view of what mandalorians were because that was his narrow view mm-hmm. and now his his views expanding so we we have a more expanded view um, and, you know, in terms of the toxicity of the phrase, like, literally, this is the way, regardless of what it refers to, um, you know, it's it's very powerful. It's like, this is how we do things. But, I mean, personally, I'm in favor of questioning everything and, you, you know, sure? coming up with no. our own the way. Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> this will you? surprise everybody who's ever met me or I, I more meant I was podcast. questioning the idea of questioning everything. But, yeah, it's also going oh, on. Okay, sure. Um <laughs> But like, you know, I, like we can we can make ways for ourselves and whatever. But but you know, also like when that way is like this warrior culture, like I don't know, maybe that's just not the best. You know, it's like, um, <laughs> you know, in terms of like Bo Katan, I really enjoy her as a character. Right, I think mm-hmm. she's very true. I, I love that they have the you know the voice actor playing the the character in live action and it, it looks like, I mean, if you go back and you look at the series, you're like, Oh, I guess they modeled, you know, the, the character after the, the actress, like, mm-hmm. were they thinking like, okay, in, in 10 years, 15 years, <laughs> yeah. maybe we'll do a live action. They maybe were. they were. I mean, Filoni I said it to Katie Sackhoff. It, like when they started, he's like one day, you know, if everything goes well, this could possibly be live action. And she was like, yeah, right. Uh huh. And then the first day she was on set in her outfit, she just started to cry. <laughs> Because she's like, look at me. Oh, my God. This is an I actual story. I joking. I didn't realize that was actually a thing that yeah. happened. That's, it's in the gallery. Awesome. The, the gallery, they just did an like a, an hour and ten about this whole mm-hmm. season instead of episodes like they did for season one. But I love it. Oh, okay. I eat that stuff up. 
I definitely yeah, I, I watched the first episode of the gallery from season one, and it's great. And I'm looking forward to watching the rest. Uh, that's a great re- recommendation <laughs> that that you gave us, Ashley. Yeah. And um, I yeah, I should have should have watched all of them um, as like a responsible podcaster. But <laughs> well, they <laughs> but that's awesome. That, like they made it- there was already that kind of like you know that that there's that much forethought, right? And th- I mean that's why I, I think Filoni is kind of like the perfect person to um, you know be be involved in creating something like this yeah uh, his stories of like how he got involved in in the clone wars in the first place is hilarious yeah and, um <laughs> you know the director the the episode with the directors where they're talking about you know they like they you know really assembled a, a diverse group of directors mm-hmm. and it seems like they really worked together right mm-hmm. and um i mean film is such a collaborative medium or it should be um you know where you can have someone who has a vision, but you really need to be able to have input from other people and kind of be able to pivot. And because um, just one person is often going to miss things. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. Oh, good. No, go ahead. It's dangerous to do that, too, though, to get so many different people in there trying it to tell be. one story. And I yeah, feel like they really be. did it very well in this one. And that's mm-hmm. not that's not the norm. And it's I think it's difficult. Yeah, For and sure. it's funny too because, you know, when the Force Awakens movie came out, there was all this talk about how it had to be the palate cleanser. You know, it had to be the thing right. that reestablished people's trust in Star Wars after some people thought the prequels weren't the best. You know, and there's all stuff we can get into that. And I thought, I mean, I certainly felt like, okay, now I trust Star Wars again. Um, that trust was then mm-hmm. Treated, well, <laughs> all sorts of stories there, but like right, I, right, I feel right. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I remember like Paul, you and I went to see that together, and I felt like. Yeah. Okay, it 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 reminded me of the good things of Star Wars, mm-hmm. but it did that by just showing me them all again in almost right, the exact right, right. same like ways. And maybe I didn't yeah. quite need that much spoon feeding of like, hey, do you remember why you liked New Hope? Do you remember this scene? Do you <laughs> right. remember that scene? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like it's not talked about as much, but that I, I think if we look back at the history of Star Wars in thirty years, people are gonna remember the Mandalorian as another one of those major turning points of mm-hmm. Yeah. This is what not only got the fans back after the post cools, but also found a way to tie everything together and to bring all new fans in. Um, I, I don't think there's any way I'm as excited about all that new content that's coming out if I hadn't seen The Mandalorian and now felt like I trusted them again. And so much of that is Filoni. Mm. It is Favreau. It is mm-hmm. just this amazing team they have that makes it feel like they're talking to each other. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Those two giggle on set exactly how you would imagine. They're sitting there like, we can't do that. Yeah, we can. No, we cannot do that. And they're just laughing in the corner. I'm like, what are they talking about? It's just the dream job. I, I'm just quoting all the memes and TikToks and, and tweets today. But like, there was a great picture that went around. And it's of two eight-year-old boys playing with um, like Star Wars toys. Yes. And it's, it, it's, it's uh, Filoni and Favreau oh, yeah. plotting out Mandalorian yeah. Season 3. Right, right. It feels so accurate. What are the things we wanted to, to talk about in terms of what, what made the scene so good? Or, or you know, it, I mean, it wasn't perfect. What things that we maybe were not the happiest about? Either way. Or just interesting questions to go into? I have a list that could go into like a five-minute <laughs> diatribe uh, i mean it's never stopped you before and five minutes is pretty okay. short for you on diatribes so <laughs> all right well when you go three at a time and then we'll discuss them yeah okay 
Um, so the, the last episode, I was only halfway through because like the badass fire team led by Bo-Katan is like, that could be a whole episode. Yeah. Honestly, just talking about that. Um, you know, Grogu and the helmet removal, like, oh my gosh. Um, the cinematography, the editing, it was so perfectly paced and the music, like (laughs) the music in that episode. I mean, the whole, the whole series, the music's great, but it just, it, I feel like everybody just like upped their game in the last episode. Uh, episode six, the action, the fight. I, I want to stop there and say one thing just yeah. about that scene with um, him removing his helmet. Yeah, I thought we we talked about it during the season, and that this was. I remember, like after he meets the Mandalorians, I was at first at first frustrated that we're not seeing more of him wrestling with. Right. What does all this mean? And then I realize it's because he's not someone... We never hear his internal dialogue. Mm-hmm. We see him do these things through actions, not through, like, talking to people about it. And I thought the two scenes where he removed his helmet, both for, like, the reasons related to Grogu, but one was mm-hmm. to, like, make sure he could save his own life and save Gro- and then be able to save Grogu's. The other is just to connect with Grogu and help Grogu. It was so perfect. And it, what it reminded me of, and this connects a lot to the conversation we just had about like creeds and the problem with them is, this is going to sound like a stretch, but I promise this makes total sense, mm-hmm. at least in my weird head. <laughs> um, I, I, I am a Christian. I come out of a Christian theological background. And one of the things I'm always fascinated by is the same idea in of what we're talking about of you have a creed, you have a belief, and it's fairly ironclad. What do you then do when a piece of evidence appears or a situation occurs that challenges the creed that you think is unquestionable. Mm. And that I, one of the ways I judge people is, are you willing to adjust your creed and adjust your worldview because of the new evidence and situation, or do you just reject it? You know, I think that's so much of what we see the problem with fundamentalism or conservatism or any of those things is like, well, you know, this new evidence, it doesn't fit. I'm just going to throw it out. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite professors in seminary was someone who was now very much on the progressive end of things. He had started out very conservative. And he said that, like, for him, one of the real changing moments was when his daughter came out to him as being a lesbian. Mm. Because it was this moment of, you know, and he, he's a huge theological nerd, but he used these kind of terms. But he said, like, look, in, in my head, my daughter is an example to me of the beauty of the divinity of God and the the wonder of the universe. And so... If my daughter is gay, gay can't be wrong. And he then talked a lot about how, like, broken it was that he couldn't see that in other people and all these kind of things. But it was just this wonderful moment for him of his creed did not fit the situation that he was now presented in. So he had to adjust Mm -hmm. his creed. And to me, that's exactly what the Mandalorian is doing with his helmet. You know, is he was ready to die to not break this in season one. Mm -hmm. But then now when it's about either saving Grogu or even just helping Grogu. He's willing to change that. To me, that was just such a beautiful moment of growth, but also just of like showing where he is that that maybe this creed doesn't have to be so ironclad. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think he does that. I mean, first to save Grogu, but like no one's really looking at him then. But like <laughs> at, at the end, you know, like Luke's right in front of him, and there's a bunch of people in the room, some of whom are Mandalorians, and he. I think he does that, not just because, like, Grogu wants him to, but then he's like, don't be afraid, you know? And Mm -hmm. Ahsoka told him that his fear of losing, of being, you know, of losing those he's attached to will be, you know, could be bad for him, basically, right? Darth Darth Grogu. I can't wait. (laughs) Exactly. And he's like, 
he is like, don't be afraid. I'll see you again. I promise, you know, and, and he takes his helmet off to make that further connection, you know, that, that Grogu wants to make. And, um, and so he is able to say, you know what, my creed, like, first of all, I've probably already been questioning it since the minute Bo-Katan was like, oh yeah, that's just like a few Mandalorians who do that. That's not like the way of all Mandalorians. (laughs) But, like, now he has... It was like, okay, so he questioned it, but, like, he didn't have any reason he really needed to take his helmet off. So it's like, yeah. even if he's questioning he's like, I don't need to change the way I'm doing it. Like, there's nothing wrong with keeping your helmet on all the time unless you've got that ancient Imperial uh, technology where you have to take your helmet off in order to get the coordinates to where you can go get your kid back. And then you <laughs> want to take your helmet off so they're not going to be afraid and turn to the dark side and become Darth Grogu. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of want Darth Grogu. No, 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 no. <laughs> He's already got the force I, choked down. I think I think we need like a what if series or something. Yes. <laughs> well, Grogu actually, be, Grogu grows up to be Snoke. He just has the ears adjusted at some point. Oh, right, exactly. Oh. Yeah. Oh. One other little um, moment I wanted to throw out also, and then let's go back to the list. Um, in terms of the whole thing with the Darksaber, one direction that I've been thinking about that I hope it could go, it, and it kind of goes to what we were just talking about with their different roles, is what does it mean to defeat someone or to win? Because And we mm-hmm. joked about, like, could, like, Bo-Katan and Din just have a foot race or something? Yeah. But I think especially since it's meant to convey leadership, I, I've always thought, it, and this is kind of a, a critique of Black Panther and other things, but also, like, eight million stories do it. Um, but this idea that in order to be a leader of lots and lots of warriors, you have to win a single individual combat. Has right. always struck me as kind of nuts. Mm-hmm. And I think one way they could look at it, and I kind of hope that maybe this is what Bo-Katan kind of adapts, is she needed to win the Darksaber in battle in order to be able to claim the throne. She won it because an army that she led, made up of people following a plan that she influenced, won... And that part of that winning was one of the people she was commanding was put in a situation where he could fight and defeat the person holding the Darksaber. Um, <laughs> this may be one of those, like, from a certain point of view moments. So it's, but, but, like, I feel like, you know, if you're the general and, like, w- your soldiers conquer the building, you didn't physically do it. Did you still win it? Like, yeah, I think it could be an interesting moment there of shifting away from, like, the individual warrior to the leader. Yeah, she just needs to suck it up and do that. Because I don't want to see them have to, like, oh, now they're going to fight to the death. Like, episode one. I don't want that. Because it's not going to happen. Uh, but No, they're not going to fight. People think they're going to fight. I don't think they're going to fight. I mean, maybe they'll fight. Who knows? She looks like but... she could fight it. Like, that would be her second choice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> My guess is, because um, as I said, I've I went back and, and read and rewatched some of those episodes. It is pretty clear that it is given to her in... in in Rebels. And mm-hmm. and so what I wonder is, we still don't know. We keep talking about the planet of Mandalore being turned into glass and this terrible thing. We've never seen how that happened. Right. I wonder if in one of the new shows we're going to get some of that backstory. Mm. And that one of the things that we'll see is that maybe people didn't fully trust Bo-Katan as their leader because she hadn't won it in the way that... And so now this is going right. to be about her getting another chance to explain, to, to convince people why she should be their leader. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, I enjoy her as a character. I don't think she's necessarily, like, the right person to rule Mandalore. I kind of don't think anyone is. 
like it's awful that the empire destroyed their planet but they sound kind of like a terrible culture to be honest <laughs> like yeah. like honestly they're just always like civil warring each other and killing each other and it's like maybe it's just not the best maybe just like go do you i don't yeah. know i mean i'm not a at the risk of of offending everyone in the entire world, I'm not a big fan of cultures in general, um, <laughs> which certainly includes the ones in which I've existed. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> could maybe be highly critical of them, but like you know, and some of that does have to do with like dogma and and creed and whatever. But like it 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 also feels to me like I mean I you know what we don't even know really what the situation is with Mandalore now right, right. like so they obviously you know they glassed the planet I I'm not what sure exactly that what that means if it has anything to do with Operation Cinder um I I mean like there's or, the, like apparently like if you ex- apply enough heat and pressure to sand it becomes glass mm, I really right, hope that doesn't true. mean we're getting into a whole bunch of things about sand covered planets um, we already have one well, of no. Those. Now they're glass-covered planets. Exactly. I am definitely very excited to explore what happened on Mandalore and to see see more of that. Especially because, and we're going to do a whole episode before that comes out on a sort of primer on Mandalore. We may actually do a couple of these because Mandalore is one of the most discussed planets and cultures in the Star Wars universe, especially in terms of one that is almost never touched on until this show in the real can not the real, but in the Live in the action. movies and the like. Um, in the Legends canon, there's tons about it. It's been referenced a good deal in some of the newer books and video games. Hmm. And I think what's interesting is there's a lot of stuff about it being this, like, you know, badass warrior culture that 14-year-old boys and 25-year-old boys who think they're 14-year-old boys are still going to love. But there's also been a lot that's very critical of it. When Mandalore is a major part of the Clone Wars... It's all about this duchess who Obi-Wan has strong feelings for, who is really trying to get Mandalore away from its warrior culture um, yeah. and, and the fights that that leads to. So, yeah, I think there's so much to explore there. And it'll be interesting because I think we always think of Mandalore as just this badass warrior culture. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's a lot more to it there, and I'm hoping we'll get to see more of that. Is um, that um, Bo-Katan's sister? I don't Satine? think so. Yes, I believe. Oh, yes, Bo-Katan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were talking about Casca Reeves for some reason. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah Bo-Katan. Yeah, <laughs> Bo-Katan's sister was Duchess. Sab- I always get Sabine and Satine mixed up. Satine, it's Satine, right? Because yes, yeah, Satine, like the Moulin yeah. Rouge movie, I, they d- definitely did that on purpose. I think. Yeah, no, we had Ewan McGregor's character twice fall in tragic love with um, a character named Satine. Satine. It's kind of wonderful, <laughs> even though it's not Ewan McGregor voicing it, but still. But yeah, so Bo-Katan is. Um, and, and in the show, there's these great moments of conflict where Bo-Katan thinks we've got a fight and the Duchess Satine doesn't want to. Um, yeah, th- those are some of my favorite episodes. Right, she's a it, pacifist. So, right? I mean, to follow up, is that why um, Boba Fett keeps calling her princess? I think I'm having a breakthrough. Yeah. <laughs> I, I oh, think, it's, I get it. Okay. Yes, right? Because yeah. I thought I, I he was just being a just jerk. kind of condescending in general, especially yeah. to people who are being rude to him. But yeah, I think that is... Uh, she is connected to knows. what was a royal family of Mandalore at one point in time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think he knows who she is. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And just on Boba Fett, that's another part. I I did not think you could introduce Boba Fett to me in a way that would make me happy. Yeah. I always <laughs> thought the obsession with him was kind of dumb. I thought he got eaten by the Sarlacc. Let's let it be. He's <laughs> a bad guy in those first movies. 
Um, and the fact that here we are cheering on the guy who caused Han Solo to be trapped in carbonite, you know, like, I was like, okay, <laughs> I, I buy into this. I didn't think I would, but here I am buying into it, and that's fine. He's so cool. He's just too cool. I feel like he's more morally neutral in, yeah. the, in the original trilogy. <laughs> he's just... I mean, he's... He's like Mando, you know. He's he's like Din. Yeah, the, he's just like I have a job. I'm doing my job. The government which, of the know, day says that Han Solo is a criminal, people. and so he should be arrested. And so he's just doing his thing. I just yeah. Love Although that... it wasn't because he was a criminal, he wanted to capture him for Java. Oh right, yeah, no, no, even yeah, more, that's right. Even more so. I just I, love that we've had that back and forth since season one about what happened to Fennec, and and who knew that we were yeah. already shown Bubba in season yeah. one and none of us could have guessed that that's who it was going to be i mean maybe somebody did but i didn't I, did it didn't we i think the minute they started talking about boba fett coming back some people were like oh no i've always known this um and maybe some people predicted who knows yeah because we, we all talked about the feet walking up and we're like she's definitely not yeah. dead but i wasn't thinking that was boba's feet i will say one thing i want to put a veto on right now um, I have seen some folks suggesting that a great part of the book of Boba Fett would be some kind of like, not rematch necessarily, but like a confrontation between Han and Boba Fett. And no, no, please, no, no please, no, please. I don't no, think no, they no. would even fight. He's a different don't... person. He's a different Boba Fett now. <laughs> yeah. I just, no. Well, and he doesn't have a bounty. Yeah. <laughs> like he's not going to just fight Han because like. He's mad at him. Oh, I think yeah, the idea right? is that Han might be kind of pissed and might come after Bobo. But oh, yeah. Maybe. Could hold a grudge. No, I mean, he did no. get eaten by That's the Sarlacc. <laughs> Seems likely. I, is that what wait, it's would called? they use the same person who played, who was in Solo? Probably, right? That's my yeah, thought. Sarlacc. Which I, get, I just, just, no, mm. no, no, no. Please, no. Please, no. <laughs> Let's stop talking about it so it doesn't, you know, happen. Right. Don't will it into exactly. it. Exactly. Exactly. It seems very likely to me now. I feel like that's definitely what's going to happen. Also, I think Obi-Wan and Vader are definitely going to meet. And I'm not sure it breaks canon. I have to rewatch A New Hope. Because mm-hmm. um, he cuts himself off mid-sentence. A presence I have not felt since. I think it strongly then, breaks you know. the implications of the canon. Um, like I, I feel like kind of similar to Ezra Bridger and things like this and all the, the other stuff we've oh, talked yeah. about. There's a lot of ways in which you can technically read those lines and it fits. It just feels like it breaks right. the spirit of it. Um, hmm. uh, yeah, I feel you. I feel you. And that could be my own. But they're going to do it. Just just prepare yourself. That's all I'm yeah. saying. <laughs> I will <laughs> also say just backing up one thing. I was talking about how we're going to do so much on the Mandalorians. We've had people on the podcast before who are super deep Mandalorian fans who know all about it from Legends or things like that. So we're going to have a couple of episodes probably about Mandalorians and all the different ways they've been talked about and all the different theories. There's a person whose content I've been following and, and commenting with a little bit back and forth who, as far as I can tell, is a linguist who's done an exhaustive study of the language of Mandoa, which is the language of oh, wow. the Mandalorians. and. Huh. He runs this great series of TikToks about it. I've been showing them to Paul, and Paul is now fighting the urge to learn Mandoa. I, I um, will not learn Mandoa. <laughs> yeah, I will yeah. not learn Mandoa. <laughs> well, but you may come on a podcast to discuss the linguistics and grammatical nature of the Mandalorian language <laughs> and what it says about their culture. So, And how much it may or may not relate to Mandarin. Yes. We are diving <laughs> deep in 2021 right. because oh we have right. so much Star Wars to be excited about, and we can't talk about it yet because it's not here. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. Anyway, enough of my rantings. There. What are uh, we're kind of well list. into? We're, we're, we're well past. Yeah, I was still on bullet point one. Up. By the way, so oh boy. 
yeah. Go ahead. Give us a speed round. All right. Uh, so everything in epi- in the last episode, episode six action. Paul, you're going to start giving us the list. Ashley, you and I at any point can say ding, which means we stop and discuss the thing he just said. Oh, I love that. Oh, I like it. Ready? I like it. Yes. yes. Go. Okay. Every minute of the last episode already pretty much covered that. Episode six action, the variety of choreography there I thought was amazing. Um, episode five, just Ahsoka showing up, how awesome her lightsabers looked, how well they nailed the look of, you know, just everything about Ahsoka and um, pretty much all the last five episodes. But <laughs> um, Paul Sun Hyung Lee showing up. Ding, uh, just to the Ahsoka yes. thing. In okay. terms of when I think about moments of how you do an Easter egg in a way that is so good for the fans who love it, but it doesn't in any way hurt the fans who don't. Her yeah. just saying the words, where's Grand Admiral Thrawn? I think oh, maybe yes. my oh, favorite yeah. Easter egg that I've ever seen on screen. Like, wow. it was just such a good way of making those of us who are so excited about him just go through the moon without anyone being like, wait, who is that? Because it's done in such a throwaway line. You're just like, okay, there's the name. Yeah, it's just one sentence. This is what I'm looking for. Everybody who doesn't know is like, who? Um, I guess that we'll find out later. And everybody who knows was like, what? Oh, they're going to bring in Thrawn. You know. <laughs> oh, are we undinging? Yes, no, back to the list. <laughs> okay. Uh, Paul Sun Hyung Lee showing up, uh, though I, I hope he gets more action in one of the new shows, um, Raiders of the Lost Republic, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Grogu and just his sadness and mm-hmm. like expressiveness and, you know, Grogu. Hmm? Yeah, ding. <laughs> that, that, stealing yeah. cookies. Oh, Him stealing cookies. Being a yes. little jerk. I love that stuff too. <laughs> the um, wants the... Um... Right, I know the poor kid with the macarons, like, the fifty dollars macarons. Grogu, <laughs> um, and then uh, and then the music, like not yes. just the last episode, but just yes. throughout. Yeah, it's just amazing. That's that's it. That's my whole list. I mean, I kind of sped through. You <laughs> there you know. go. I, really I mean, it's Bo not Burr. everything I love. I but really it's enjoyed kind of Bill Burr's things. character. I hope that they bring him back oh, again. Yeah. Um, yeah. This time, like, I really yeah. enjoyed him shooting that guy. Me too. <laughs> And then blowing up the whole place. Like, it's like, sorry. <laughs> Bill Burr was a part of this, but I, I also thought this show did such a good job of... The word humanizing often is meant to mean like making you feel more sympathy for or justifying. And I don't think it, mm-hmm. it has to mean that. Because mm-hmm. I do feel like this show did a great job of humanizing the Empire in terms of... Right. Mm-hmm. In those first couple movies, like not only is Vader and... The Emperor just complete mustache twirlers, but we, we, we figure out Vader's motivations by the end. But all these stormtroopers are literally just like nameless, faceless people who can just be shot at will because they're just Nazi stormtroopers, and so they're terrible and bad and should be killed, which are greed. Mm-hmm. But empires don't actually work that way. Like, people make decisions. People believe yeah. in these things, and it's horrible and scary, but it's important to know why. I loved getting to see that. Everything from both the people who are like the guy who um, Bill Barr shoots, you know, they passionately believe that the Empire is doing good no matter what the costs. And then just the guys who are, you know, probably drafted soldiers. They don't love what they're fighting for. They don't care about the big picture stuff. But when some of their buddies who are driving a truck make it back to the base, they're going to cheer. Yeah. Um, Like, I just loved those scenes because it made the Empire... It's easy to think that evil is just awful and bad, and I could never be like those people. He but to said, realize like those people care about the same things I care about on some level, it, it to me, that's a much more important and interesting point to make. 
I listened to Bill Burr's podcast every week, and he said um, after that episode, he had tons of vets and, uh, like, not pet doctors, um, veterans and people who are in the Army and people with PTSD, like, write to him to tell them how much that character and that scene resonated with them and the things that they felt. So, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> How much they wanted to shoot their former commanding officers. <laughs> yeah. Or like, you know, Vietnam and people there. Yeah. You, you didn't want to be there and you were forced to go or drafts or things like that. And yeah, just that, you know, I know what we did was not right. And someone's like, but it was. And you just want to shoot them in the face. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. A lot of, yeah. A lot of officers did get shot by their own troops in Vietnam. Yeah. That was that was super powerful. And um and I, I love I love the points that you're both making. I I, I will say that the term humanizing yes is <laughs> is a little speciesist, which is funny because it, it's a way in which the empire is, is speciesist. Although Thrawn is is an exception to that. Um, so just just a little sidebar oh, yeah. there. Well, but uh, I... also, I think you said Bill Barr, uh, which oh. <laughs> it just made me don't even. I just just let him go. <laughs> Never mind. You heard it all right. I will say about Thrawn, I don't think the, the TV show Thrawn has discussed this, but in the books, one of the big issues and one of the reasons why Thrawn's not involved in the war is the Emperor's wrestling with both, this is the best military commander I've ever seen, but he's not a human, so I don't trust him and I don't like him. Right. And that's part of... He's a of, blue person, right? Yeah, he, he's a... Okay. a yes. Yeah. Is okay. the name of the race. Just... And so in the books, they actually really use the character of Thrawn to explore this thing that we've seen on screen, but has never been talked about, that the Empire is Mm -hmm. pretty much humans only. So I would love it if in his character and some of the new stuff that we do explore that a little bit. Because you're right. It's, I mean, peopleizing, sentientizing. I don't know what the word is. No, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's hard to, I don't have a better word right off the top of my head. It's like, it's the word people use because that's. Because people are speciesist, yeah. but like you know that, and that becomes more apparent in a world with um, other, you know, biped, you know, species that seem to have similar cognitive faculties to humans. But um, it exists in our world too. Right, anthropomorphized. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, but yeah. Those I mean, the, you know, the words. the point being that it deepens, <laughs> you know, and and. Adds adds perspective, yeah. right? Right, like. Actually, what about you? What's on your list? Any other last things you touch on? Um, I I just really I really liked the storytelling with this. I really liked a lot of the characters. I'm a moments kind of person, so mm. um, that scene when they had the Tie Fighters looking awesome was that the last one? Like, I love stuff like that. They really put so much, um energy and effort mm-hmm. into making everything look gorgeous and seamless all the way down to Gina Carano's space Gatling gun. I love that thing too. <laughs> the little details. The what? one where they were launching the TIE fighters. Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. the last yeah, that was, episode, yeah, right? The last episode. Ugh, yeah. yeah. So good. In, in, in the Bill Barr. In the Bill Barr <laughs> <laughs> episode. Um, the, uh, they have the t- that's where the tie fighters come in to like save the day kind of yeah. oh yeah and we that get to see them shoot has a sort of different once. kind of like cool um you know you see it from the other side kind of yeah you I'm glad you brought that up because I remember being very excited about that in the cast because you actually get to see them do damage on something 
Yeah. Right. They never, yeah, they never exactly. Shoot, they hit something. I've never seen a TIE fighter hit pretty much anything. Yeah, they hit some X-Wings in, like, Return of the Jedi. That's about okay. it. <laughs> One X-Wing for every 500 TIE fighters, exactly. right? Okay. I think, exactly. I think, oh, I think yeah, in A New yeah. Hope, there's, like, two or three Y-Wings that are blown up yeah. or, like by non-Vader piloted uh, TIE fighters, right, right. but not very many. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fair. Vader blows up. I mean, more than a few. A number of them are. But yes, no, the general yeah. point of... Although some of them are like surface-to-air guns, right? Yeah. Like the Death Star's gun. I think the general rule is just that if you are a named character, you get plus 20 yes. to dodge. Like that's... Yeah. The yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You cannot be killed by TIE Fighter if you're a named character. Yeah, or Stormtrooper or... <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. I, I think for me, the only last thing I wanted to comment on, and I talked about it before, but I think it's just worth mentioning again in, in a little more detail... There is such a trope of let's throw a romance into the story because it's what stories need. And Mm -hmm. I'm a hopeless romantic. I love a rom-com. And there are many movies that are not rom-coms that are action, adventure, whatever they are. And the romance is an important part of it. And I love those. You know, I think the the, – I'm not a huge fan of Captain America – the winter – Captain America, the first Avenger, the first Captain America movie. But I think the romance between him and Peggy is so well done. Yeah. I love it when it fits the narrative. But it often, there's a lot of stories we've seen where it feels like they just jam it into a narrative because they feel it needs a romance of some kind. <laughs> Winter Soldier fa- or Civil War when he has her make out with a, his, like, maybe granddaughter. I don't know. I didn't Yeah, like the niece, that. the grandniece of his childhood yeah. crush. Like, okay. Mm. Not childhood, but, you know, young adult. But yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, childhood. It's it's like only a few weeks later for him, you know. <laughs> and I feel like for this though, years but. there's no romance. Not because I feel like you know Dean has taken a vow of celibacy or anything like that. Although if your helmet always stays on, probably that's a yeah, thing. yeah. Listen, you can try and figure out it. the logistics of that. You one. You know, that's a thing too. Like the Mormons do their thing with the sheets, and maybe yeah, like, as long as gets... one head stays covered, we're fine. A-, a way to do it. Oh boy. Um... <laughs> This is not thirst cast, Ashley. You get a chance to do that on After Dark. Um, it's just stating a fact. <laughs> but, but I love that in this, they're both not opposed to having that happen. And when in season one, there's a scene where he is like the, the, the farm woman is flirting with him and he clearly mm-hmm. seems a little interested. And like, you know, Cardoon's like teasing him about that. They're fine with showing that. Mm-hmm. But it didn't take over the show, and it didn't happen after that because it just didn't happen. And yeah, I feel like the way they've set it up, if he does meet someone and becomes flirtatious with them in season three, if they make it feel like an organic part of the show, great. I'd be fine with that, but I don't need it. And the fact that they've had him meet Cara Dune and Bo-Katan and a number of – I mean, we're also – I'm assuming he's straight here, which I really shouldn't be doing. There's no canonical reason for that either. Could be someone of any gender. But mm-hmm. whoever it is, like, we've had him meet and get close to people without it becoming a flirtation. Like, when I first saw Cara Dune and him, I was like, okay, they're going to fight, and then they're going to flirt, and then they're going to fuck, and that's the story we get. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, the <laughs> fact that we didn't get that made me so happy, and just, I just love the way the show is approaching this whole concept. It made me think that they kind of wanted to only have, like, not the romance, but the love between Grogu and Din be mm. front and center because that is almost a relationship that grows oh, yeah. and grows to full on. I love you. You're like my little son. I mean, and he was... walks away from the the farm woman on uh, in that first in the 
he walks away from that farm woman and that whole comfortable planet in season one because he needs to keep Grogu safe. Like, it's very much mm-hmm. choosing yeah. that relationship. Yeah. I mean, he also, by walking away from it, he keeps them safer as well. Yeah, that's because, true. Very true. You know, you don't, you don't want people hunting Grogu on, on this, this planet right. or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I really love that point um, that, that you're making because, personally, I dislike 90 some really high other number percent of like film and tv romances mm-hmm. <laughs> um i i find they're just so often shoehorned into um a plot that just has no no need no space and and they're not given care to like be feel like real relationships yeah between people mm-hmm. um you know a show like chuck might be an exception where it's like spy fi right but it's really the show is a romance 100 yeah. you know and and like the princess bride is like yeah. the, the romance is like central to the story mm-hmm. and is really important and i feel works even if it's just this like they just love each other you know we're not going to really get too much deeper into that mm-hmm. like so there's these small number of, of instances where a romance can feel genuine and organic and like it really belongs in the story. But the number of Hollywood productions that have some sort of romance just crammed into them because like somebody read somewhere that it's what you're supposed to do in a story <laughs> or like it's how you're supposed to get a particular type of interest. The fact that they just, they're just like, no, there's just... That's just not part of this story right now. Right. And if in season three, there's a reason for it to be a part of a story and it's organic and it makes sense, that's fine. You know, I'm, I'm happy with Maybe that. Maybe him and Bo-Katan but... can get married and then they can rule together and then she <laughs> right. doesn't have to fight sure. him for the Darksaber. Sure. It's, it's really more of a marriage of convenience. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, I could not like see the... I'm, a, I'm joking in my head of it being like, you know, Din is the empty nester. But it's the, you know, his entire focus has been this child Mm -hmm. or his Mandalorian Mm -hmm. community and being very much a, this is the way I'm a loner. Now Mm -hmm. he both has recognized within him this capacity for, and perhaps desire for deeper connections and is no longer feeling like his religion, his creed has to keep him away from them. So I could see season three, I think it would make logical sense for him to kind of be wanting to, put down some roots in a community somewhere and maybe build some more connections. And, and maybe that's romantic. But you're mm-hmm. right. I, I, at this point now, trust the show if they do it. It will be for a reason that makes sense, not just because Pedro Pascal is hot as the sun and we want to watch him make out with people. Which, granted, <laughs> he's hot as the sun and I want to watch him make out with people. But I, like, I feel like the show, if they do it, won't do it for that reason. It'll do it because it fits and maybe it won't and that'll be okay too. Yeah. Right. It's not going to be arbitrary mm-hmm. and contrived. For sure. For sure. Okay, I think that gets us to kind of a good ending point. Unless either of you have any last things uh, we didn't get to touch on? No, I'm, I'm just excited. I can't wait to see what they're going to do. Yeah, me too. Me too. We've got a... I, go ahead, Paul. Oh, no, go ahead. You go. We've got a long <laughs> year ahead of us, and um, it's going to be... On the one hand, I feel like it's the worst tease in the world to like know that all the Star Wars content is coming. In 12 months. Mm-hmm. It's like I just watched the 10 best trailers in the world <laughs> for a movie. <laughs> and but... it's like Boba's going to be at the same time as Mando? I think it's that Boba comes first and then Mando is going to come. Like, it's basically going to be like 
we'll have eight weeks of boba or whatever, four weeks, whatever it is, and then just yeah. the next we'll have like twelve weeks in a row or sixteen sixteen weeks in right. a row of Star Wars content, probably oh like God, every Friday or every wait. Tuesday or whatever. Boba. I imagine they're aiming to have something like a regular TV schedule of like episodes coming out like every week of some show so that people do. I saw some meme that was like, you know, I watched the last episode of of Mandalorian or no, it's like, why did you cancel Disney plus? And it's like this, that, that, finished Mandalorian, you know, season uh, two. This is the way. Like... (laughs) You know, so I think if they roll things out kind of staggered with the different series being made, you know, at different points in time, I imagine they'll kind of avoid people being like, eh, you know, they don't have the show that I'm mostly watching. I'll I'll renew, you know, 10 months from now, basically, when it comes back. Yeah, and then sprinkle in all the Marvel stuff and Disney Plus is finally sure. starting to make yeah, a name for itself. There. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I do have two kind of questions about um, one thing that I was going to make. I haven't. I have like four bullet lists, and uh, I'm fine with only dealing with one or two of them. But uh, we'll post them online. We'll post them in the Facebook group so we can keep it's, discussing. No, them. no, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> um, but one, one, I'm going to make a statement, and then I'm going to ask a question. Okay, and then I'm good. I'm ready. Um, I think the episode length is an underappreciated uh, factor in this show that I've seen people complain about. But um, here's my bullet list. Shorter episodes allow for better episodic storytelling without adding a bunch of nonsense filler. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes advantage, full advantage of a streaming platform where there's no reason to have any particular length, like as opposed to any other in terms of like time slots or commercials or whatever. Mm-hmm. If you love an episode, a short length leaves you wanting more. And if you don't love an episode, like at least it's over more quickly. <laughs> but <laughs> um, I, I do kind of want to ask... Um, not not so much as podcasters because weekly releases are obviously better for podcasting because it it's like a bunch of events, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But in terms of like personal preference, do you like the episode length? And like in terms of weekly releases versus all at once, do you like the weekly releases, or would you rather just be like, I'm just going to watch all eight episodes straight through? I like the weekly releases. Mm. Yeah, um, I feel like after doing that Umbrella Academy thing for like all the all mm. those days, I wouldn't be able to stop. Yeah, I, I oh, don't have any okay. self control. I would watch right, know. and this gets you would just, yeah, just watch it all the way through, and then yeah, then can like I'm not watching this again. I'm like, well, I have to. I have to do the podcast, but so this kind of <laughs> helps me separate it out, and it gets me excited and looking forward to something, which you know, in 2020 is it's not happening a lot. So having right. something fun to look forward to every week is very nostalgic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I think I, I, I'm on the other side of the fence and I know a number of people kind of teased me and said that like, once I, you know, did the podcast version, I would see that it's better to watch it week to week. Um, I, I don't think it is. I think at least for me, it's not, I, I like it as podcasters cause it gave us this additional time to sort of bounce around ideas and talk about what could be and what isn't. But I felt like part of that meant that I went into each episode having built up expectations and hopes for that particular episode and mm-hmm. that had kind of taken me away from it. And often I would – starting on episode five, I started rewatching some of the episodes beforehand just to kind of put myself back in the mindset of it. Um, mm-hmm. I think this was an incredibly good four-hour story 
And yeah. I watched all of Mandalorian season one as a four hour story. And mm-hmm. I watched, you know, most of Daredevil and Jessica Jones and all those things as most most of the time I tried to do over two or three days. There was some time when I was in depression and not working and I watched an entire season in a day. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's the healthiest in some ways. But I think I enjoyed it a lot more. And I, I do think that my enjoyment of it suffered a lot because it was week mm-hmm. to week. And I well, think if I yeah. just had this one amazing day of four hours to see the whole story straight through. Um, and this is just me. I think a lot of people's brains don't work that way. And that's totally legitimate. I think I would have liked it more if it was just all released at once. I have a... Um, it would have nothing to do with like a personal preference. But the spoilers would be ridiculous. Because not everybody could watch it all at once. Like say that came out on... A, a, what, what is it? Friday night at midnight? Mm-hmm. Or whenever, or Thursday night at midnight. I have work all day, so I would have to go home and make sure I watched all four hours or completely avoid the internet and friends. There were so many things that got spoiled immediately after each episode. Imagine if people watched it all right away and was like, oh my god, Luke Skywalker came back, and it wasn't even 12 hours into the next day. That would be infuriating for me. And it's funny, Um, because I don't remember that happening much with things like Daredevil and Jessica Jones, especially those first seasons. mm. But there's the not internet, a big reveal in that though, like Well, but the internet's changed also quite a lot in the, last couple, yeah. so. in the last couple of years. And I think that it may be that just Twitter and, and, and these cultures are just a lot bigger because mm-hmm. Yeah, to me that is a good argument against it. Um and I wish and I, I sort of hate the idea that that's what makes it better is for this practical reason because people are dumb. Um mm-hmm. but you're right, that is a legit concern and like in the Strain of Panda community, we had to implement uh a spoiler uh, protocol and, and people followed it great it's been wonderful yeah. Yeah. but it's unfortunate that that's needed especially yeah. especially for a show like this where it releases in the middle of the night for most of us at least in the United States and so like some people can watch it some people can't watch it until the next day or even two or three days later mm-hmm. and then yeah like if God. I was gonna say if they released it all at night all at night like I would have watched the season before you woke up for work. Well, maybe not because it doesn't seem like you sleep that much. No. But like, <laughs> before you went to work anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then when I find oh, if I, it's my brain, um, you know, you guys are, you use bigger words, you're smarter. Just take the compliment. Um, when I watch an entire season in a row, like I do a lot, I miss things. Um, mm-hmm. So to, to come on and talk about it as a podcast, I would have to watch it and then rewatch it and rewatch it, which I started to do with the episodes towards the end after, you know, Paul, you suggested to do that, but trying to watch all of it at once and then try to find the time to watch it again before we were doing like the podcasts. I don't know. I find I miss stuff. I felt like I really started to notice with the boys that I enjoyed the weekly Mm. thing a little bit, just so that I really focused and paid attention instead of being like, go to the next, go to the next. Now I'm asleep. I woke up 50 minutes late, you know, later. Ah, I got to figure out where I was. Yeah. <laughs> right. I think it may also have a lot to do with how immersive the universe is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, I think Star Wars works for me. I think you're right. The boys, the universe feel, A, it's such an unpleasant universe to spend so much time in. <laughs> right, right. I would not want to spend, like, well, I don't want to spend any more yeah. time in that universe. But. but I feel like that one having that, but it also feels similar enough to our own world that I feel like dipping our toe into it and then pulling back isn't hard to do. Right. Um, right. The haunting of Hill House or the haunting of Bly Manor, um, I think the first was very good. The second I thought was pretty good. I think those would be awful as week to week because those are so much about getting sucked into a world and sucked into a story and mm-hmm. feeling that energy that I think those I needed to just be and 
you know, my partner and I are crazy. We binge them in one day. But I think even just doing those in two or three nights, like, I, and so and maybe that's the thing is I think like different shows benefit from one format or the other, and different people are going to benefit more from one or the other. Yeah, um, yeah. I used to. I'm going to per- finish Sabrina today, and like, who could, you know, if that was week to week, I'd go crazy. I used to be the person who would like with Mandalorian season one. I, I was forgive me. I hope I don't get banned by neighbor. I don't think any big execs are listening to this. I'm probably safe, but I would be the person who would say, "I'm going to wait till all of Mandalorian season one is out. Then I'm going to sign up for a three day free uh-huh. trial or seven day free trial. Watch all of Mandalorian in, in one go, and then cancel." I did that with CBS yeah. right. with Discovery. You know. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm a podcaster, I can't do that because I have to watch it as it comes out, and that is sometimes obnoxious. But mm-hmm. but at least you can write it off as a business expense. Also true. Also true. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, what about you? It sounds like you're um, kind of in the middle, but you're you, you do think that some things would be better as just the binge watch. Oh, I very strongly prefer to have. I would like to have everything available to me whenever I want it. Yes. Um, without any. Like, like without having to go from platform to platform, like I, I'm very high maintenance with my viewing, but, um, no. it, it, yeah, the, there are aspects of the weekly viewing that I've enjoyed. I definitely don't prefer it. Yeah. Um, I, I think actually in terms of spoilers, it's tricky because, you know, I think you made a great point, Ashley, that, um, s- what if everybody knows everything all at once then it's like all the spoilers are going to happen all at once right Mm -hmm. and you know daredevil and jessica jones you can say like yeah it wasn't like that sure maybe the internet's changed but also there's no luke skywalker to show up in any of those you know what i mean yeah yeah, exactly there's there there aren't these huge legacy characters that are going to make these, you know, per, perhaps surprise appearances. And I I mean, I'm super impressed that they were able to keep that a secret and that in season one, like they supposedly they lost out on like $2.7 million of merchandising potentially uh, by not having like Baby Yoda merchandise before, mm-hmm. you know, because they, they were like, if we ramp this up and we have merchandise available... People will be like, "What's that thing?" Yeah, and then it, it won't after. be a surprise. You know, like we you want said that to 2. be a surprise. You said two point seven million, which seems incredibly low. Did you mean billion? No, no, because eventually they made That's it. That's true. You know, okay. um, and you know, it's just for that one thing. Uh, yeah, it, I, I know. I heard it. I was like, "Whatever." Yeah. <laughs> That's not that much money. Um, I mean, like it would be to me. But I feel but like everybody Disney, still spent the money. I mean, even I got a baby right. Yoda for Christmas, and I also gave a baby Yoda to my to my friend Katie's two year old son, and both of us had the same level ex- of excitement That's when awesome. gifted yeah. those gifts. <laughs> right, right, right. But but a lot of people actually independently made baby Yoda T shirts and stuff like that, mm-hmm. which then they all got yeah. you know stomped on by disney and whatever which i get and you know i I won't go on a tirade about intellectual property and whatever (laughs) creativity but um yeah i i really enjoyed this experience i mean partially like you know getting to meet you ashley Mm -hmm. and and doing this podcast obviously always a pleasure matthew and you know um meeting riki and and meeting um well i guess i've met jeff but like doing some podcasts with him as well Mm -hmm. and kind of having it be this like once a week event right right there's there's something about that that i very much enjoyed um as an experience yeah in a vacuum though as far as just the viewing goes like i would have watched it by 4 a.m on the first day (laughs) um 
Hopefully. I mean, there's some slight chance that I would have quit after episode two or three. <laughs> <laughs> and I would have been really bummed. And then I would have, like, seen later that, like, Luke showed up and I would have been like, ah, oh, maybe I'll just skip this or that. I don't yeah. know. Um, like, the boys, I'm kind of glad that they put out three episodes at the beginning. By the way, Amazon was super tricky with that. Because you get the 30-day free Prime or whatever, and they get out three episodes, and then you can watch four, five, six, and seven, and then your thing expires. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so. so well done. So sneaky. <laughs> and I will say just on this, and then I want to get to the, the episode length question you brought up, and then we can yeah. uh, wrap up. Sure. I did think that they did a brilliant job in terms of spoilers by making it fairly certain that we were going to get Ahsoka. I think it was actually it was confirmed. Mm-hmm. If not, it was almost positively concerned yeah it was it was a casting it was casting news that yeah. we, you know and it yeah. was also never confirmed but very heavily both hinted and leaked that we were going to get boba fett and oh, I, right, I didn't right. know any of that well but i feel like by doing that it meant that like bo katan was a complete surprise right oh. Luke right was a compl- like they, they it was that yeah. kind of bait and switch they gave you just enough like mm. hey look here's the yeah. big surprise oh by the way Here's the other three yeah. things, you know? Right, exactly, oh. exactly. Yeah, with, I mean, like, I think they kept, like, Ming-Na Wen's casting a secret. Like, mm-hmm. it, it didn't show up anywhere that I saw. Yeah. You know, there, I didn't see anything, oh, she'll be back for season two of The Mandalorian. Whereas we knew that they cast um, Tamara Mor- Morrison, I hope, uh, I think is his name. Uh, as what we did, they actually didn't say who, we, who he was cast mm-hmm. as. So he could have been... Captain Rex, right? Yeah. He could have been, some, been an old clone. some other he could clone, have been anyone. an old clone. Yeah, exactly. Um, but all, most people thought he probably would be Boba Fett, and that he probably was the person who came upon Fennec's body on Tatooine yeah. because Tatooine, right? Make... right? But um, and I'm going to go back Damn and listen Captain. and see whether we predicted that that was going to be Boba Fett because I think we did. Like, uh, definitely in Episode One, we did yeah. right after seeing. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, we saw his face. Yeah, we saw. We yeah. were like, oh. I guess that was a bigger giveaway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> again, it could have been a clone. It could have been someone else. But yeah, I think it was, it was exactly. A it didn't have giveaway. to be Boba Fett. Yeah, as you but know, the whole as episode um, was about his armor. And then, yeah. right? Who doesn't yeah, remember that true. face? Yeah, yeah. But as, as Bo-Katan we pointed some out, credit uh, for predicting heard his voice a thousand Sorry. times or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's so true. And just on the episode length thing, I think you're right. I think some shorter episodes are better. Some I definitely wanted more of, but mm-hmm. you know, it's that kind of thing of you want you want more, but more is not necessarily going to be better. Like they can't keep telling the same joke, and maybe if they right. maybe five versions of the thing you love twice, the the last three are not going to be as good. Mm-hmm. Certainly, I would not have yeah. wanted ten more minutes of Baby Yoda eating um, frog eggs oh, spiders. or fighting spiders. <laughs> oh, I'm very no. happy to have less but, of that. Man. That Robert yeah. Rodriguez episode with with Boba and Fennec and everybody that was what thirty two minutes. I was fear like I know I, I was furious. I was like twenty more minutes of this. I need twenty more minutes of all the explosions and the fighting. Yeah. What is that hook thing that he is just busting skulls with? I could have watched that for another hour and a half. See, and I was but you can you could just watch it four I know, times. I was it over and over again. And then you catch all the little details. I was just about you know? at the point of feeling like the fight went too long. Like, it was starting to lose right. me. And I think that's... Right. I'm sure a lot of folks are where you are, but a lot of folks, I think, are with with me. You would have yeah. hit a point of diminishing returns. And... Yeah. I will say... You think, got what you wanted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will say... Well, th- so... I, I think, the, Paul, the more... To me, the more important part isn't that the shorter, but it's something you pointed out about Daredevil Season 1 that I hadn't really realized, but now I think I notice all the time. 
a show being able to have a variable length of saying like here's yeah. here's the story we want to tell in this episode and we're going to tell it in as many minutes as it takes to tell it and that means we won't cut out stuff that we really want and we won't have filler because i think a lot of the problem with like the 42 minute plus episode plus ads makes a one hour show mm-hmm. or the half hour version of storytelling is that you have to cram in things or you have to have filler and it just gets frustrating and i think mm-hmm. Yeah. I, if if we just get away, I mean, I hate television and, and ads to begin with, but like, if we can just right, have right, right. all like high level creative be completely untied to time limits, I'd be so happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Word. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah. So so in terms of like the show, I mean, that episode was also only like twenty seven minutes of content because there's the pre roll and then there's the credits and everything. Yeah. So that's like really short, it was very right? Short. I mean, that's it's really short, but. You know, I if you the thing is, it's like when it's short, you can watch it more. Yeah, you, know, you can rewatch it, and I watched that a few times. And there's there's all these little details you catch in in the choreography and and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I could just watch um, Din saying Grogu, <laughs> like just for a little, just put that on a loop. Infuriate me <laughs> over and over again. I'm like, why did you leave your jetpack back there? It doesn't make any oh, sense. Oh, that yeah, just, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's always like one thing that I'm like, but why did you why, do why this? Why did you do but, that? But like the, I mean the last episode for instance, um you know, just the the attention to detail, I just think is is so beautiful and so um it it just shows how much not just the the creators care about telling a great story and telling it really like conscientiously mm-hmm. but also how much they care about the um all all the things that have gone before um in terms of within the within the series or w- within the world like there's this one moment that i missed the first three or four times that i watched it <laughs> but where when luke's you know um carving up all the dubstep droids there's one behind him and he and it shoots at him and he just like flip like puts his lightsaber over his back uh-huh. to deflect the blaster bolt, like no look over the shoulder <laughs> deflects the blaster bolt and it hits. And, and Anakin does exactly the same thing in revenge of the Sith. Oh, that's so cool. On Mustafar. Uh-huh. It's, it's, it's he like such it a Rogue, cool move. Rogue one too. He actually stopped. Like we just watched that scene last night. Yeah. When someone shoots at him from behind, instead of with the lightsaber, he stop. He doesn't look, he stops it with his hand and force pushes it back in the dude's face. Mm. Right, like, which oh, is awesome. I love that. <laughs> but like, this is—I mean, it's—it's it, it's different, but it's—it's it's the same, but it's similar. But like, <laughs> but it—it's just like like those details, right? Mm-hmm. That I mean, did you see that exactly how that happened the first time you saw Rogue One? Maybe not, Mm-mm. right? You saw it that time you watched it, and so that—that's just another thing I like about kind of shorter content. Is like I, I enjoy rewatching things, yeah. you know, and there's not a ton of stuff. That I enjoy rewatching as much anymore. That's not true. I've watched Kim's Convenience like four times in Shira, like I mean, it's three easier or four to find times. Those details when there's less details. Like it's just you know. exactly yeah. There's fewer detail. You're getting through something more repetitions or whatever. And when something really has that much kind of depth and that, that much attention to detail, I really enjoy just kind of being able to get you know. And I'm sure there's things that I I'd still missed, you know, yeah. and that sometimes people point it out and you're like, oh, I didn't notice you that. Know, I think in the same way, um, it's funny. Now we think of like eight episodes is short because we would normally get 12. It wasn't that long right. ago that like 24, 26 episode seasons, maybe mm. 23, that was the normal. Yeah. And then 12 yeah. felt very short. And, you yeah. know, 
And then I remember so the first Daredevil rich. season. I was like, why don't we get 20 episodes? And then I realized, yeah, no, some of these stories could have been 10 episodes or maybe even eight. Right. Eight. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Jessica Jones. You were like, you're like, I don't, I don't know if they needed 13 episodes to tell this story. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's too long. And I, I think that's one of the nice things we're seeing is that shorter storytelling, more compact, mm-hmm. did not try to do everything. Yeah. I think overall, maybe this is kind of my, my like final note. Um, I hope so. We're going way long here. Um, but <laughs> to me, the people who made the show are really good at understanding what we as the audience need, even if it's not what we want. I was kind of sad at first when I realized we were not getting more Grogu using his Force powers. And then oh, the more yeah. I thought about it, the more I realized it was really becoming like Deus Ex Grogu, you know, or Grogu Ex Machina. Like, if Grogu has his Force powers, on some level it gets to a point where the agency of no one else matters. You know, that's the problem mm. in any Star Wars stuff. Of If you have a mm-hmm. super wizard, yeah. like what Han Solo yeah. can or can't shoot is now becoming irrelevant. And I would have loved to see Grogu use a little bit more Force power. I would have loved to see him Force choke Moff Gideon or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I just don't... I think it would have taken away from what they did. And that's just... In the same way, like, yeah, I'm bummed we will probably not get as much Grogu, but I don't know if you could keep telling the story with Grogu in it, uh, at least not in the same way. So it just, it just, mm-hmm. I, I, I thought we were going to talk about some critical parts and yeah, too much eating a frog baby is sure. But like, it, it just, I, I'm just marveling at just what a well put together show this is and hitting all these different beats and all these different points. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I, I I agree. I'm I'm now like, should I go to my list of least favorite things? <laughs> no, like, no, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna post that online. It's basically just what you just said, yeah. like <laughs> Grogu eating everything in sight, all the creature feature stuff, and like uh-huh. everything about episode two except for Paul Sung Young Lee showing yeah. up. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. it. <laughs> but I I I don't know. I was just so pleased having being so kind of like uh, like really on the fence in the first few episodes where there's a lot of stuff. That I really loved, but then, you know, also, like, stuff that I was like, I don't know how much more of this I want. And I'm like, oh, this was an opposite episode four. Oh, episode five was even better. I liked episode six even more. <laughs> like, episode six was awesome. And then episode eight's just like, what? Yeah. Like, I definitely... really enjoyed going through that with you. Because it was, I oh. always really looked forward to what, you know, what you were going to say in each podcast or in each cast especially after the first one because i didn't think of any of that stuff like you you just bring up so many interesting points um and that's why i said to you before i've just felt like you guys is little padawan along on this journey and i'm just learning so much and i'm really grateful (laughs) well thank you i i just want to say to you two and also to jeff and ricky um thank you all because when i watched season one i loved it but I didn't really have people I could talk to about it. Like, Paul, you and I talked about it mm. some, for sure, but we're distant. You know, yeah, a little um, bit. We're talking mostly on, on Instant Messenger. My partners at the time weren't super excited about it the way I was. And, I mean, I ho- people are listening to these. Like, the, the last episode of Mandalorian actually has, I think we're at now 600 listens. We have more listens than um, oh, wow. any other episode of anything I've put out, um, which is fantastic. Awesome. Wow. But yeah. I love that. Just people are so excited about this, and we get to share it every week. And I will just say, Ashley, first of all, the um, the idea that speak big words equals big intelligence is one I would completely disagree with. But <laughs> just she take said, it. "Take the compliment." Yeah, I know, I know. I, I know. literally physically bit my lip to not. <laughs> yeah, just shut up. You shut up. <laughs> I will take the compliment of my intelligence and Paul's, yeah, and yeah. echo yours as well. But just say that the words <laughs> and the compliment don't 
match up. But I take the compliment. Fair. <laughs> but I do think I feel like, and this is something I'm really going to try and have as we go forward. Um, and I think the MCU cast, those guys are starting to do some of this as well. I mean, they kind of do with Jeff and Matt. I think having a discussion about a new piece of media where one person is deeply grounded in the canon and someone else is just experiencing it as it is, is actually brilliant. Because I thought it yeah. really helped. Actually, you really helped me to understand what it was like to see it without all that baggage and all that, that prior knowledge. And and to me, I think it really helped my understanding. And I hope I've heard from fans as well that that's the case. So Nice. I'm glad. Thank it you. just felt like such yeah. a babe in the woods. Like, I don't know what I'm going to bring to this. And you're like, oh, no, 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 you're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like your your joy kind of helped get me through the rough spots of it yeah. too. You know, like I love that. Yeah, because I, I mean, I I had so much. I think because of all my feelings about the postquels and the prequels, there was so much of me that wanted to just start leaping to attack the holes. You know, and like I think was, I even feel like there were some of those episodes in like four, five, six where you actually had so much joy, and I was just so like ah, but but we need Luke to make the story make sense. And of course we're not going to get Luke. And like, I had a lot of critique (laughs) and Paul, you were kind of in the middle of the two of us. And just so I think like it it made a great team as well as did Jeff and Riki and, and and all the others who took part. So yeah. Thank you both so much to our fans. Thank you so much for being a part of this journey. As I said, we're not gonna have any star Wars new content to, to cover for the next year, but we have a lot to discuss. Um, a lot of folks are a lot more interested in the clone wars and rebels now it's my goal to have both of those completely covered by the end of 2021. Um, we've already done a lot of the first couple seasons of uh, Clone Wars. You can find all that on back episodes of Star Wars Universe Podcast. Going forward, because we want to cover it a little faster, we're going to start really just focusing on some of the key episodes, because there is a lot of filler. We'll discuss a lot of the things from the filler. We're not just going to do plot episodes. We'll talk about some of our favorite episodes that are don't fill in anything, but have just great character moments or whatever it is. But we're really going to try and like focus on the stuff that's important and tie it in as much to these kind of things. Um, for folks who don't want to watch all that stuff, but who do still want to know more of the canon, we're going to do more Primer episodes. I know those went on really well. As I said, we'll probably do a couple about Mandalorian. We're probably going to do a couple of kind of book clubs about some of the books that have come out. Um, I am not generally one for video games, but I'm going to play more. I'm going to. I'm going to commit to playing both Knights of the Old Republic and um, Star Wars Fallen Order, both of which I've heard there's so much great content in, and so I'll have a lot to say about those. We're going to try in this podcast really do everything we can to just have people so psyched and, and excited and and critical as we go into all this new content for 2000, end of 2021, 2022, and beyond. But more than anything, we want to hear from you. So if there's content you want us to discuss, if you have thoughts or ideas or you want uh, us to twist Paul's arm and make him post that all the things he didn't like about this season episode, <laughs> or you want to post your own, um, definitely find us. Um, as I said, the best place for all this is going to be now under The Ethical Panda on Facebook, on Twitter. There's also the Stranded Panda podcast chat group on Facebook. That's another great place to discuss all these things. Or just email us. All the information is going to be on the webpage for either strandedpanda.com or theethicalpanda.com. So thank you both for being great hosts and joining me on this journey. Thank you all the fans. Thank you, Filoni and Feige. I, I, I can't directly. <laughs> Here's the thing. Feige. I, I think of Filoni as having been Feige's Padawan. You know, and he got to study at the feet of the yeah. master and Fa- even Favreau perhaps even more so. But Favreau and Filoni following in the steps of Feige, taking this to a whole world. 
Thank mm-hmm. you for making me remember what I love so much about Star Wars. Um, so I'm having all of us. Thank you all so much. Have a great day. Let's give all the different sign-offs that now we've started adding to these episodes. <laughs> Ooh, teeny. John Favreau is the Theo Epstein of uh, yes. <laughs> connected universes. I think that's very true. That's very true. Theo Epstein is the way. Mm-hmm.